start your engines for another Naughty Dog production. That's Crash Team Racing, which I played a lot of as a kid. But here we've got Scoob Team Racing for this episode of Scooby Dudes. Naughty Dog Productions, huh? Yeah, true story. That was the, the studio that does all the Crash Bandicoot stuff. You were were you always more like a, a Crash Bandicoot than a Mario Kart? Yeah, well, it's it's a almost like a DC Marvel. Not even like that because it's a platform split. Uh, PlayStation is Crash. Uh, Nintendo is Mario was Kart. Was Mario Kart. So and I had a PlayStation, so I was a Crash person. Although I do think Crash is the superior game. Have you played Mario Kart? I have played Mario Kart. Like most people growing up, I had a friend who had an N sixty four and therefore had me as a friend. Here's, and so I played a lot of Mario Kart. Here's something I want to throw out. Is that within the course, the running time of this episode, mm. it is it is a, about a race. We're doing the fast and the wormiest. Also, this is Scooby Dudes. Scooby Dudes, a podcast where two best friends talk about their favorite meddling kids. And their dumb dog. Scooby Doo. Um, I do make a reference to Mario Kart, and not a single time do you bring up Crash Team Racing. Ah, uh, you've got me there. I've been shamed. Thoroughly shamed. The blue shell comment that you have in this episode was excellent, and I had nothing for uh, one of those like tiki mask things <laughs> yeah, that circles around you, you or the you, uh, you drive into a mask and yeah, it becomes like an invin- an invulnerability shield. Yeah, well, I mean, you drive into a a wooden crate that then explodes, and then it goes through a variety of different weapons that you could get, and a mask is one of them, and it's the best one of them because it also speeds you up, in addition to making you invulnerable and like a human blue shell. For Mario references. Crash Team Racing is just way tighter. You can do those slide boosts, like handbrake turns that'll give you boosts. I'm pretty sure they're remaking it. Like if that, I mean, I know you don't have like a system. But they they but... did make Crash Nitro Kart after Crash Team Racing, which I thought wasn't the best sequel, but it, it was decent. Um, now that we've lost all of our listeners, <laughs> with the exception of two people who we're gonna lose as soon as they find out this is a non-Crash Team Racing episode. <laughs> so excited i'm just gonna when i upload this to soundcloud i'm just gonna tag it like like playstation uh naughty dog naughty dog crash team racing nitro team racing because you know that there are people who are trawling soundcloud day and night searching through these tags hoping that one day they'll come across an audio track that is about crash team racing for sure man as we're talking about this i'm like i need to find anyone currently talking about crash team racing and listening to it and listen to it i want that really badly um and i'm sorry that we're now teasing that for some people and we're not going to give it to them everyone else i assume has jumped off the boat at this point look for those of you who love crash team racing the intro to this podcast about scooby-doo it's the best thing you're gonna get this really is probably the best thing out there when it comes to ctr podcasting even Crash Nitro Kart podcasting, this is probably the best you're going to get. But that's not what this episode is about. If anything, it's more about Wacky Racers, which we've referenced previously on the cast. Oh, yeah, no, we did in our first, um, in our first, in our stopgap episode. We talk about Wacky Racers, and that's the kind of episode that we've got ahead of ourselves today. I don't want to, uh, to borrow any of the enjoyment that you're about to get and use it here in the intro. Just know that this is the Fast and the Wormiest from, what's the series again? Uh, what's new Scooby-Doo? What's new Scooby-Doo? I've, that's all I've got to share. Should we just dive right in? Yep, I just dropped my mic. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. What an episode, right? It's... I, I didn't know what to expect, and I 
sure. I, oh, man. I, this is I'm, this is yeah. all bad. I want you to cut all of this out. Let me start over. Um, I was so excited mm. when you sent this to me because what I did was I sent um, I had to send screen caps off to my cousin so that she could put a title card together. Okay, right on. And I saw that it was about a giant worm. And do you remember Death Worm? <gasps> yes, it was that video game, right? That like everyone yeah. was playing. I love that game. I was really good at that game too. Uh, so for listeners, you can download it. Um, I'll, I'll put a link on in the show notes. You can also uh, play it, I think, on congregate.com. Basically, you're playing as, like, a sandworm in the present modern era, and you're just popping out of the ground and eating people, and the more people you eat, the bigger you grow. Right. First of all, you're basically eating, like, like all of these different animals, and, like, the elephants give you more meat, so you get bigger, and then they're, like, little, like, I guess, hikers in the desert. And the larger you get, the more dangerous above ground gets like tanks and stuff arrive yeah like soldiers come then tanks then helicopters ultimately aliens i think which and that like really pisses me off the aliens i feel like you should be on the same side the aliens and the worm they're both enemies to humans why are the aliens and the humans colluding against you i don't know why the alien yeah and also the aliens are like invading in this world maybe they just don't think the humans are a threat they think the worm is the real threat which, based on how many aliens I killed as the worm, is pretty realistic. You, you, yeah, you always wanted to destroy the, the UFOs. Oh, yeah. But I love that game partly because there was a thing where when you popped out of the ground, if you pulled up, you could glide. Yeah. This worm doesn't have wings, but you could straight up glide, pretend, sort of even fly. And, and then crush the military with your body. As you land. Yeah, and let, or like skim the ground for a long time, just like cleaning up people like a hungry, hungry hippo eating marbles. Uh, it was, yeah, what a fantastic game. Uh, which is what initially made me so excited for this episode, because giant worms are pretty much the same across the board. Yeah, I, I was excited for this episode. If you donate to our Patreon, uh, you'll get a recording from us doing a bit that involves worms. Uh, and that's partly what made me think of this. Evan has also made a lot of Fast and the Furious jokes throughout our time here with Scooby Dudes. So that also uh, enticed me. And once I got into the episode, I realized there's a further connection because we've talked about Wacky Racers a couple times, and this had a big Wacky Racers vibe for me. So we open up on a desert. It is it is nighttime, and there is a woman in... in it's not a race car. It's, it's not like an F-150 kind of race car. It's not what you would think of as like, or like a NASCAR car. Almost like an older F-1, an older Indy 500 car. So she, she's just, I guess she's practicing racing. There's a, but a large button marked turbo. She presses it. I guess that's like nitrous. I will have to admit, and I think I speak on behalf of both of us, that there is Spanish in this episode, and I know little to no Spanish. I know a little Spanish. For instance, when she's driving, she says, bueno carro, and that means good car, I think. Oh my, okay, yeah. That actually makes perfect sense in retrospect. There's some parts like that that are very, like, you can figure it out. Also, like, when the next scene, there's a reporter who gives us the setting. He says, we are here in Nuevo Mexico, which I'm like, that's New, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> so some of it's easy. The chase scene, the musical chase scene in this episode has a Spanish language punk song. It's completely in Spanish. That's completely correct. in Spanish. I do have it on Google Translate. I'll share it with us when we get to that. But uh, there is a lot of Spanish in this episode, which is very cool. It's got some great diversity in it. But it, some of it also went over my head. So this, uh, this female race car driver, uh, a gigantic worm, which I guess we'll just describe as looking more or less like a regular worm, like an earthworm, like an annelid. That's what they're called because they have these segmented kind of bodies. Mm, but with true. a mouth, a huge mouth full of sharp teeth. Yeah, uh, think Dune when you're, when you're imagining this worm. This is uh, Muad'Dib. 
This is the Eater of Worlds, but with a slightly more bulbous head. The nerd! <laughs> nerd! <laughs> Excuse me, actually, it's not not pronounced like that. <laughs> but really, like the, the Dune references must flow. That's my, my take on this. But this worm bursts out of the ground. Again, it made me think of Dune. Uh, and it grabs the front of this chick's car. And it, it lifts the car up off the ground. And we cut from there. We don't know what happens to her. It grabs the front of her car. It does not swallow her whole, which you might think would happen because it's a giant worm much bigger than her vehicle. It just raises her into the air. And then we cut from there. And this is just, from the outset, a very scary villain. This isn't some dude in a... In a rickety costume or something like that this at the very least is a feat of at the very least is a feat of impressive engineering it's, it's a gigantic monster it, it's not to be reasoned with we uh we find out that here in in nuevo mexico we are getting ready for something called enduro slam 5000 why not make an enduro slam 2000 this is probably smack dab of the year 2000 but they wanted to go 3000 better Here's the other thing. This is a 24-hour race across the desert. It's called Enduro Slam. Like, like you need endurance to do this. Yeah. Mind you, this is a 24-hour race. Right now, and I was watching with my granddad a little bit earlier, the Tour de France is mm. going on. And I believe when this episode comes out, it will still be going on. The Tour de France oh. takes place over several weeks. But there are breaks. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, but, and you're on a bicycle. Mm. Do you know what I mean? This is Enduro Slam. You're in a vehicle for 24 hours. Yeah, not un not unimaginable, considering that's what some truck drivers do for a living. We meet uh, dirt bike legend Roberto Torres. He's a pretty cool looking dude. He's got like a little soul patch, a devilish monobrow, a, like a double like a double soul patch too. Yeah, like tire tracks. Yeah, and uh, ooh, like tire tracks, nice and uh, very sharp features, kind of devilish good looks. But he seems like a nice guy, and he's kind of. Uh, given a little bit of out outlining what the Enduro Slam is. And we pan from there over to see a bunch of other drivers, some little bit drivers, to the gang. The gang is also participating in this race. We've, we've talked a little bit about um, Daphne on What's New Scooby-Doo. Uh, and the last time we saw her, she was jealous of Marcy paying too much attention to Fred. Mm. Uh, which, to her credit, gave her a little bit of like personality, and uh, you, you knew what she wanted. Her motivations were perhaps a little disappointingly anchored on a man, not a really strong feminist uh, agenda for the showrunners, but uh, it did give her some depth, and it kind of created this rivalry between her and Marcy that was interesting. That being said, in this episode, her first line is, gosh, I feel so rugged. Does this helmet cl clash with my jumper? And it doesn't. The helmet does match her jumper. It's purple and purple, but for some reason, Scooby-Doo just stares wide-eyed and no, and he's staring so, I can't think of another word, lecherously at her. I don't think that's true. Then why is he, he's like a gog, like wide-eyed at her. I think he's, here's what you have to understand. She's asking if her jumper matches with her helmet, and Scooby-Doo as a dog is colorblind. That, that might be it. No matter how, how wide he opens his eyes, he will never be able to tell. Yeah, those cones won't react correctly. Or is it rods? It's cones and rods. Did you say columns? I said cones, because I wasn't sure if it's cones or rods. Which, oh, which it's, is it's, light it's which one is of color. them. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. I'll edit it so that I'm right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, D Daphne's still concerned about her appearance. Velma says, this has got to be the craziest thing we've ever done. Uh, and then willingly. willingly. Yes, correct. Yeah. Fred has obviously decked out the Mystery Machine for this upcoming Enduro Slam race. Oh yeah, the Mystery Machine, again, it's a van. It's not an off-road vehicle, naturally. But he's given it quite a few uh, boyish upgrades. 
the ones that he mentions at the beginning, he says, I've got high boy suspension, big boy radios, bad boy high beams, and a fat boy fridge in the back. Uh, yeah, Shaggy, Shaggy and Scooby added the fat boy fridge. They yeah. open it up and all that is left is a lone papaya. Yeah, they got they got way late at the border, so the once fully stocked fridge is now empty. Scooby and Shaggy eat food. Who knew? And as they're as they're looking over the vehicle, the girl from last night, the lady from last night, pulls up alongside them. Fred is impressed. He says, "Hey, that's five time champ, Lupe Chasaris." It's it's worth noting that Fred is a total doofus. He's a lovable doofus. That's why I love Fred, because he's such an adorable doofus. And as we'll see in this episode... He's so well-meaning. He's so well-meaning. He's such a good guy. Um, and so he says, man, she's the man. Uh, uh, you're the man, Lupe. And yeah. Lupe gives him the stink eye and says, senorita to you. So does that mean to someone else you would be a man? <laughs> well... I, I don't know. I'm not going to make any more. Her, her personal life is her personal life, and we don't get into it in this episode. Um, but we see that her car is a little beat up, so obviously she wasn't eaten by the worm, but her car has been d- damaged by it. And she says that was by the giant worm, El Gusano Grande. Uh, so yeah, she talks about this El Gusanta, Gusa, El Gusa, is it Gusa? Gusano Grande. Gusano. I think she also calls it El Gusa Gigante. That's what I wrote down. I, oh, I, I feel no. I feel like we're both right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But she's talking about running into this giant worm, and then Fred, who is again so full of like this, yeah, this boyish enthusiasm. That's just racer lingo. Running into a giant <laughs> worm is like hitting a wall, right, Lupe? You hit a wall? No, it's like running into a giant worm. <laughs> These racers with their crazy lingo. We also see on the side of the uh, next to the race a number of protesters who are making a bit of a ruckus. They're wearing these green worm costumes. Yeah, it's like also like kind of like you said, segmented but green, and also it's not like tube shaped. It's very football shaped, more like maggots. They're like Michelin yeah, men, like Michelin, like Michelin maggots more than worms. Uh, and they're protesting the the race. They say the race is bad for the environment. Bad for the environment. Just a little something for our in for our Filipino listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that's that's the Filipino accent, and and they they uh bad for the environment. That was racist, but not terrible. I don't know. I I don't. I can't do a Filipino accent. I'm actually really bad at it. Yeah, and you speak Tagalog. I do. Um, yeah. we meet uh Gibby Norton, who yeah. has uh created a solar powered vehicle. No. Him and Velma met at space camp, and very importantly, he has uh, a a a very recognizable voice. Yeah, he's got a real poindexterous voice. Yes, Velma. Probably not even like that. Uh, I have to correct you. He does not actually have a solar-powered car. He it's had, a lunar-powered. It's a lunar-powered car. I, I corrected myself. I, I thought I was wrong. And I'm, uh, honestly, I had to listen to that a couple parts. I'm like, did he say lunar? Did he really say lunar? Later on in the episode, he'll confirm he says lunar, and that's because it's a 24-hour race. He needs to harness the power of the moon as well which is still technically solar power. That's the sun reflecting off the moon, but that's not the point. Uh, Gibby Norton used to know Velma. He's clearly into Velma. Like, he's way into her, but she doesn't seem to be reciprocating that. He's also, he shares the same voice actor as Mandark uh, from Dexter's Laboratory. Oh! (laughs) I can't think of any other uh, things he would say about Dexter. Uh, he would say Dee Dee in a loving voice, I guess. Yeah. So Velma is Gibby Norton's Dee Dee. We meet one more uh, badass racer 
Uh, we meet one more racer by the name of Burr Badson. He pulls up in this monster truck next to the vehicle and uh, chats up Fred a little bit. And Fred's very friendly. How many horses you have under there? Says Burr. 400 big ones, says Fred. And Burr says, no, how many real horses? Because you're going to need them after I dump you guys. And it's like, you asked under the hood. Yeah. You you certainly frame this as the horsepower my engine has. So you that was a bad question and a bad swerve off of that question. Burr doesn't really notice or care. He says, see you at the finish line. Not. Burr, what a jerk. You're a jerk, Burr. Uh, so the race... This, it's called it's called the fast and the wormiest. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, regardless, I think this happens in every single Fast and Furious movie. And I've seen maybe like eighty percent of them. Mm-hmm. In that, whenever there's a, a street race, a, a woman wearing like hot uh. pants or like short shorts will like walk out into the center. The camera will like, you know, male gaze the hell out of her, and she'll wave the flag, and the cars will go. Um, That's true. That is a very standard trope. I'm curious, do you think that happened here as well? Well, she's not wearing hot pants or short shorts, but let me just say that whoever animated this cartoon woman wearing a full-body jumpsuit did not shy away from making sure a certain part of her anatomy was, like, whoever was penciling or inking. Somebody googled Latina proportions as they were designing this character. I... (laughs) I didn't want to say anything. Like, I was... I noticed it. I was ready to move past it, but it was there. Like, they... Just a little bit had the sexy flag dropper in this episode. Now they're on the road. Now the the girls in the car ask, Fred, are you sure you've driven off-road before? And Fred says, yeah, I had the, the high score in the video game Dirt Demon. The, the, the mystery machine then catches a little bit of air and slams down on a tumbleweed, which prompts Fred to say, boss mode. Wait, does he really? He really does. <laughs> he like, apparently in the video game Dirt Demon, landing on a tumbleweed makes you enter boss mode this never comes back this doesn't come up again later in the episode like in the in the climax fred doesn't hit a tumbleweed and then destroy the worm with boss mode it's just some reference to a video game that doesn't exist they're looking at a map and the the race ends up not in paris like the tour de france i don't know if that's true i don't know where the tour de france ends you would assume i don't know i haven't haven't ever watched it but in diablo gulch yes the first car through diablo gulch wins but uh, as one of the gang members says, we've got a ways before we get to Diablo Gulch. That's still a ways off. Um, but we're learning a little bit about the environment and about the setting as we go. One thing that we pass uh, as we're driving through this town is a worm statue, a, a giant statue of a worm. It, very much like a... Uh, it's, it's an earthworm. And, and Velma mentions um, that these statues were a tribute to the worms that would, I guess, like t- you know, naturally till the soil and whatnot. Yeah, they'd fertilize, help fertilize the ground for farmers. So this worm statue acts as a, uh, yeah, it's a tribute to, res- to respect and honor the worms that have helped them so far. At which point, Burr Batson, who is in a monster truck, he literally, he just drives through the statue. Yeah, he just smashes it, completely destroys it. So you, you kind of, at this point, feel like the Wormians, the worm protesters, are a bit justified. Clearly, these racers don't have any respect for uh, the local uh, land. Uh, they're they're racing now. It now is when we kind of get into. You mentioned wacky racers. It's sort of like look at all of these mm-hmm. uh, people in their vehicles, and they can all do like these really fantastical things. Which is that um, Burr yeah. is beating them in the race, and Fred drives the mystery machine along the wall of a canyon to get past him. He does a Prince of Persia wall ride to get around Burr. Very impressive. I guess <laughs> that those video game skills were coming in handy. 
And like I said, it, this gets into wacky racers territory because they're trying to show every type of vehicle they can to give us as much variety as possible. Uh, which is to say that they're then behind a uh, motorcycle and sidecar. Uh, the motorcycle and sidecar round a corner, the mystery machine right behind, the team is gone. We then see that they are in a tree. Mm. The reason that they're in a tree is that they're trying to escape the giant worm. Uh, the worm appears, it, uh, sma it hits the mystery machine and pops a tire. Yeah, it bites, it bites their, uh, their left rear tire. Good memory, dude. And then gets away. It doesn't actually attack them at all. It seemed to be more going after their vehicle. And it leaves behind one of its tooth shards in the tire that Velma pulls out. It's a black obsidian-looking shard. They obviously then need to change the tire of the mystery machine. And Fred explains that he, took, he removed the jack from the van in order to install hydraulic lifters, an injector seat, and an emergency flotation device. And uh, one of those will come in handy later. The one that should come in handy now is hydraulic lifters. That sounds like a built-in jack, right? That's a jack! <laughs> also, look, have you, have, you changed, have you changed a tire? I have. I've changed a tire a couple of times. Do you know how big jacks are? Yeah, they're not huge. They're a little heavy, but they're not that big. And we've seen the back of the mystery machine. All there was was a fat boy mini fridge. And nothing. <laughs> With a papaya inside. Yeah. They could have put the jack inside of the fridge. Yeah, oh, that's what they should have done. <laughs> but they did not do that. So instead of that, Fred calls upon his first-rate pit crew, a.k.a. Scooby and Shaggy, to bodily lift the car. Like, on their backs. <laughs> um, yeah. He, he got a full-grown man and a Great Dane to lift up this VW so that he can change the tire. Yeah, and, like, to go along with that, changing a tire isn't just, like, gingerly lifting one tire off and putting another on. You have to put, like, the, uh, the wrench on the nut, and then you have to, like, kick it. You have to actually apply some serious force to a get all... A lot of force. Yeah, yeah. Really? So <laughs> this is not fair to Scoopy and Shaggy, who are objectively probably two of the weakest... Like, it's a dog who can't lift anything. And Shaggy, who's really weak. Fred, who in this series... And in this episode, boasts that he can bench 220 pounds, does nothing. If anything, Fred should have joined them and let, I guess, let Velma and Daphne change the tire. Yeah, like, Daphne's a little prissy, but I think Velma could change a tire. She's pretty competent and multi-talented. But whatever the case, they do get the tire changed, and they do get, uh, do get the car back up and running. This is sort of another Wacky Racers thing. There's a canyon that I, I guess all vehicles have to jump to, uh... uh, I'm sorry. Before we get there, uh, they do they do fix the car, and as Scooby and Shaggy drop down and uh, and plop after letting the car rest back down, uh, one of the headlights catches Scooby's tail and casts a shadow on a nearby uh, rock. That's that's exactly right, and they they do think that uh, the shadow of his tail is the giant worm. Yes, but Daphne interrupts him. No, 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 no. Hey, look, it's just Scooby's tail. And Scooby, uh, oh, oh, it's just my tail. He then starts making pretty impressive shadow puppets. Yeah, a butterfly, which is, like, pretty, you know, not too difficult. But also one is, like, the, the silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, Scaramouche. Did you do the Fandango? <laughs> Scaramouche. It's, uh, I think that's Abraham Lincoln. And also Bugs Bunny, I think, makes an appearance there. He does Bugs Bunny and a cat. Which tells me, I think this is Warner Brothers territory that we're in now for Scooby-Doo. Yes, that's exactly right. Yep. So that's uh, that's a little gag that happens before they get back on the road as Shaggy plucks out these uh, 
Also, something that happens is that Scooby falls on some cacti, and Shaggy plucks the cacti out of Scooby's butt. They both do, actually. Actually, yeah, they fall on the cacti, and then they're scared by the shadow, and then Scooby continues to make shadow puppets as they sit on the cactus. Like, that's all it takes place as they're sitting on a cactus. But, Which is to say that yeah. later on, they are driving away, and they are removing these cacti from each other's buttockses. Sorry, did you look? I'm not, just, nope, I'm not gonna yuck that yum. Let's move on. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and they come upon a big gulch, something that apparently all the drivers are going to have to jump in order to get to the next stage. So Ro- Roberto Torres is, is gunning it. He's on his motorcycle. He says, I can make it. I can make it. And uh, he doesn't. At which point he says, I was wrong. Uh, presumably plummeting to his death. Yeah, he doesn't make it. He falls down the canyon. Uh, the gang is about to make the jump, but they can't quite make it. They, they break before the jump. And uh, over them jumps uh, Burr Batson, who we hate. Yeah, Bat- Bat- Batson. Oh, it's Batson. What is it with T's and D's and my inability to get them straight? I thought it was Batson because he's bad, son. <laughs> uh, the gang, um, in order for the Mystery Machine not to be smashed to smithereens on the canyon floor... Yeah, because they do slide down to, to the canyon. They deploy the that emergency flotation device which cushions their fall. It's like a, it's like a raft thing that uh, inflates and, and, yeah, cushions their fall. Yeah, one of the things that Fred replaced the jack with was that flotation device, and he's now justified in doing so. Um, so they see, they see Roberto Torres' motorbike down there in pristine condition. Yeah, like, set up with its kickstand and everything. Like, it went all the way down to the bottom and landed perfectly with its kickstand up, no damage at all. So that's Roberto Torres' motorcycle. What's it doing there all unbroken? They're met, um, there are a bunch of tunnels and caves down there, mm. and they're met by the protesters. Yes, who call themselves the Wormians, and they call their home down here Wormtopia. And also, even though she is never uh, referred to by name, the head honcho, the, the figurehead, the priestess sort, her name is war L. War L, yeah. But we never do get her name. That's purely something pulled from the wiki, and I presume from the credits. And yeah, and these worm people aren't environmentalists, as we might have initially thought. They just worship Gusano Grande. They're just worm fans. And and they say, hey, we'll show you the way out after uh, a great Wormian feast. Yes, you're invited to dinner, which sounds pretty good to Scooby and Shaggy. Uh, at which point, um, we cut to all of them and Roberto Torres sitting in what looks to be a giant bucket. It's a bucket. You you, you think, why, whenever a cult says, come on to dinner, you know you're going to be eaten, but you assume they're at least going to put you in a pot or a cauldron. This That was like a really big Bugs Bunny thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Bugs Bunny. And it was also always like his way in there. super racist. Because <laughs> it's always... It, it was. It was yeah. super racist. He'd, he'd be in the jungle, and he'd bump into uh, like, like a black man with enormous mm. red lips with a bone through Ugh. his nose. And this uh, individual would place him in a pot to, to roast him and eat him. I, the example that comes to mind for me, I think the Tasmanian devil did it to, uh, to bugs. But I don't doubt that there are really racist versions of that. I mean, cartoons back in the day were really racist. It's remarkable that we haven't hit some serious racism in Scooby-Doo. I, I think that speaks well to this series. We, we certainly will. once we. I think when we get into what's new, there's some really dicey... Oh, yeah. But... Well, well, I mean, we'll get to it when we get to it. The point is, this is that classic bait and switch. 
uh, we're gonna have a feast. You're the star. Do you know what I yeah. mean? And, I, and then you are. Yeah. And I, I just have to say, it seriously is a bucket. Like it's shaped like a bucket. It has a giant bucket handle and everything. <laughs> like where do these it's people? Just a huge bucket. Why did you? Um, you either had to buy a giant bucket somewhere, or you made it yourself, and you got the giant handle and everything. And Roberto, uh, he mentions that look, I know the way out. There's a way out of these caverns. But obviously, we need to. We can't get past all these. I'm gonna call them cultists. With all these cultists, mm. there are too many of them. They will. They'll apprehend us. So we we need, I guess, a way of distracting them. Um, at which point, I think Shaggy's the one who says, "Too bad we don't have an early bird to get the worm." But fortunately, right behind the cauldron is a uh, like a tiki torch with a flame on it. Right behind Scooby. So Scooby now has an opportunity to use his shadow puppet skills and uh, does some hand puppetry that makes a giant bird right behind the Wormians and their worm statue. And they are, and they're terrified. They're so scared. They really believe this, uh, this thing is coming after them. And they are, they are all dressed like worms, so if they believe it's real, <laughs> that makes a bit of sense. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess that's true. If a giant bird did appear and you were decked out dressed as a worm, you would fear for your life. Yeah, like if a, if a giant lion appeared and I was dressed as a tiny puma. <laughs> what? Wait, what? Tiny puma? I meant like antelope or something. <laughs> I thought you said puma. I, I meant to say antelope. I wound up trying to say puma. I said pumba. I think I'm stupid, man. Dude, dude, I think I'm dumb, bro. I think I'm a dumb person. Oh, God. Uh, uh, they, they are trying to escape when El Gusano Gigante or Grande makes a, an appearance. Yeah, he does. And, uh, and the Wormians do catch on to the Shadow Puppet because Scooby can't resist from going from giant bird shadow to like some other weird monster again to abraham lincoln <laughs> which apparently worms are not scared of abraham lincoln that's not a thing uh, so they do have to up and run out of there and we finally have maybe for the first time a corridors chase scene within our musical chase scene yeah no that is that is correct um did we not have one in uh jeepers it's the creeper in the barn was that not scored? Oh, that was kind of a corridor scene. You're right. We've never had an actual corridors corridor scene, but we've had a couple of versions of it. You're right. So they are trying to escape from now both the giant worm as well as the cultists. Um, and there is there's sort of like a, a wide open area in the middle of which is a worm statue that a, a cultist is trying to construct. He has one piece left and all of these entrances all around. Yeah. And uh, it's not just individuals running in and out of these, it's vehicles. The mystery machine, Roberto Torres' motorbike, and all the Wormians on foot running in and out of all these places. And, and the giant worm as well. And the giant, that's right, the giant worm is also chasing them as this guy precariously is teetered on this ladder. Uh, if you can't picture this scene, imagine someone trying to put together a dinosaur skeleton in a museum that's very busy. That's this scene. And, and while this is all playing, um, mm -hmm. It is scored. It is a musical chase scene. Yes, Spanish punk rock. Spanish language punk rock, which is pretty cool. Um, the name of the song is... Punk rock E subversion. And E is a Y. Yeah, so punk rock and, and subversion. Uh, the English translation of the lyrics are, This is subversive punk. It's from the street. It's tough. This is struggle and awareness. Your, in your inclemency is my mercy. 
This is real punk. It is not fashion. It is not posal. Born on the street, live on the corner. It is our way of rock. It is our way of life. Punk rock, subversion. Subversion and punk rock. Punk rock, subversion. That's, that's uh, actually incredible. That's Google Translate has upped its game. It used inclemency. It's also clearly parody of like yeah. punk rock music. In, it's it's uh, performed by a band which I the name of which I love is it's uh, Laws uh, Laws Miserables. Yes. Or mis- mis- Miserables. Los Miserables. So I'll play on a, that very famous uh, Broadway musical. Yes, Les is miserable. Uh, they do manage to escape, and uh, once escape from the cave they find themselves back on the road. And Burr, ever the jerk, immediately runs Roberto off the road, followed by Lupe. While they are trying to escape, because the worm has, has followed them out from the caverns, uh, Scooby and Shaggy still have those cacti, which they removed from their buttockses. Yes. <laughs> their buttockses? Their buttocks? And they're throwing these, these cacti at the worm, and they manage to pierce its hide, at which point a yeah. green substance leaks out. Presumably it's blood. Yeah, this giant worm bleeds green, unless it's cactus juice, but no reason to think that. So potentially a little clue there. And with that, we've pretty much reached our halfway point. The worm retreats, uh, the gang arrives at a gas station they can uh, gas up at. Uh, Yeah, it's time to fill up. Someone mysteriously stabs our gas tank with a screwdriver. And when I say stabs their, their gas tank, it's like someone presses a hot knife into butter. Yeah, like an arm appears underneath their vehicle and just like pokes upwards with the screwdriver. Screwdriver is a tough thing, but it's not that sharp. Like piercing the uh, the surface of a bubble. And and here's the thing, all of these racers, even though um, Burr Batson has been actively trying to murder them in his monster truck. All of them. And this giant worm has also been trying to, to kill them basically. None of them are perturbed by any of this. No one is scared of the events. I guess this, this is the Enduro Slam 5000. This is just how it works. Yeah, there's no carrot that's clearly been dangled so far. There's no, like, we need that million-dollar prize to do X, Y, Z. We don't know if they're, what the prize is, if anything. All we're aware of so far is that there's bragging rights for Lupe, who apparently hasn't made it well enough to not race a sixth time. <laughs> um, do you remember who it was? Someone tells Fred that he's tougher than he looks. Well, Burr actually appears yeah, immediately after their fuel tank is uh, sabotaged, which kind of makes us think that was probably Burr that sabotaged it because he's a jerk. And he appears and he actually congratulates Fred. He says, hey, Fred, congrats on getting this far. You're tougher than you look. And Fred says, well, not to boast, but I can bench 220. <laughs> yeah, you just can't help change a tire. That's your limit. But uh, they, there is a little moment of connection there. Fred, ever the good-hearted guy, doesn't take any offense. Gibby pulls up. Gibby's... Uh, who's vying for Velma's love, pulls up in his car, and we see that uh, his car is also leaking. It's sprung a radiator leak, but then it turns out, and I found this very <laughs> infuriating, so so his engine in the front has been damaged, and he's like, not to worry, you know, like, he has two engines, there's an engine in the front and in, and in the back, and his vehicle performs, like, like, raises up and flips around so that the engine is now in the front. Yeah, it spins 180, so what was the back of his car is now the front. So this was a two-sided car, and that's how he gets around the fact that he could never have his radiator replaced in the desert. Which is to say that, like, buddy, you know that some cars have their engine in the back. Like, the engine works no matter what side it's on. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, you could have just put two engines on the front. That would have done the trick. And the fact that he has these two engines does not play a part in, in the story at all. Like, those two engines are not a thing. The gang, they get maybe, like, 10 meters away from the station when their vehicle runs out of gas because it has been punctured. 
right at that time, the worm appears at the, the station. Now everybody has to leave. Yeah, except Lupe is going to be kind of screwed because when it appears at the station, it seriously wrecks her car. The worm, like, demolishes the station. Um, and the thing about the worm crashing down and demolishing this rest stop is that there was someone in there. She served Scooby and Shaggy beans. Oh, yeah. She's so dead. She's, she's presumably been crushed to death. Oh, dang, she did. That's sad. <laughs> Scooby Dude's mortality count one for the month of July. Uh, zoinks! Like, how are we gonna warm our way out of this one? Uh, cause they're out of gas. At which point, Daphne... Ruffles? Rumples? Russ... She, uh, rustles? Rustles up? She looks through her purse, um, and she finds a... a rifles! A, rifles, yes. Oh my gosh, thank you. She finds, uh, a battery, a bottle of water, and a bobby pin, which she MacGyvers together into a hydroelectric battery. Pulls a battery out of the hairdryer, drops in a bottle of water, punches a bobby pin through the top, shakes it all up, and apparently, as Velma tells us, that's a hydroelectric fuel source, which, when haphazardly chucked in the engine, makes the car run fine. This is the second thing that Daphne does. It is the only other thing that Daphne does. Yeah, she has one moment at the beginning where she's prissy and concerned with appearances, and another moment later on where she's possessed by the ghost of MacGyver. It's extraordinarily perplexing. It's so confusing. But uh, it gets them back up on the road. Apparently that's enough for now. And uh, and we notice as the worm is chasing them, as Fred swerves around a rock in the desert, or no, Fred drives over a rock in the desert, that the worm swerves around. So they surmise that the worm can't burrow under rocks. We also see that the worm is about to uh, get Burbatson, which prompts Fred to say, that worm's going to waste him. We'd better roll. And I'm just like, man, how long has it been since wasting someone was sort of like the terminology to like offing them? <sighs> I love that term though. I'm sad that's not a bigger thing. Like, I guess it's because wasted sounds like getting drunk. Anyway, the worm bites clear through the axle, the back, a the rear axle of um, Burr's monster truck. Yeah, in spite of Fred's warnings that the worm's coming after him, Burr ignores him, and yeah, the worm does get his car. The gang tries to catch up and help, but Burr is, again, still really not wanting their help. He just slams his car against theirs. Fred says, Daphne, take the wheel. Careful, Freddy. And he, he bodily jumps out of the mystery machine onto Burr's monster truck, grabs him, and then leaps back to the mystery machine. Yeah, he really puts his life on the line to save Burr. And Burr, as you might imagine, is not a bit grateful for that. He, he actually leaps onto the worm riding it kind of like uh doc is it was it dr strange love himself no it wasn't it was the pilot of the of the plane who who rides the bomb like a bucking bronco in dr strange love that's exactly what happens burr's so upset he's like you you were just trying to keep me from winning he jumps onto the back of the worm which immediately burrows into the ground burr <laughs> on his back as well it's really it's it's really funny it's i just he's riding like a cowboy but i mean did you imagine the moment that burr entered the ground that he was just like ripped to shreds that he was not pulverized on the uh, on the yeah, desert uh, yeah floor. like there is a a burr colored smear within that spot of the earth it, it, now now that burr has ostensibly been killed <laughs> yeah. the gang realizes they now need to stop this worm the worm has now uh the woman the bean serving woman notwithstanding now is the time to put an end to this madness to this slaughter Yep, so Fred concocts a plan. Attract the worm, when it emerges, lead them into the gulch, and then catch them there. 
He's going to use the Mystery Machine's engine sound to draw the worm, at mm. which point Scooby and Shaggy will act as bait and draw it further into the gulch. Because yes. they are now at Diablo Gulch. They have arrived at the, near the finish line. Uh, Fred says, you all good, Scooby and Shaggy? Scooby and Shaggy are like, what? We couldn't hear you over the engine noise. And then Fred peels out, so they fall out the back. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, like, even with that mess up, the, the trap does seem to proceed as planned. It goes off without a hitch. Uh, the worm follows Scooby and Shaggy into this gulch, at which point Velma and Daphne push these boulders off of these pillars of rock, which uh, create a net which scoops the worm up into this net, lifting it off the ground. And Velma is actually the one who says, hey, Fred's plan actually worked. As I was watching this episode, I typed in my notes in all caps, the plan actually worked. And then Velma's like, hey, the plan actually worked. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And then the worm immediately falls to the ground because the net has broken. It turns out that the wormies, the wormians, have cut the net. They, they, we see them up on a ledge, brandishing a pair of, like, uh, giant scissors. Enormous novelty, as if to cut a check. <laughs> or a ribbon. Or, uh, sorry, the ribbon at the end of a race. Yeah, or the, the ribbon at the end of a race where a building is also being opened for the first time. <laughs> So you're going to run this race with this pair of scissors. When you get to the building that's about to be opened, you cut it. And you're going to need to have a lot of people in that race because somebody's going to trip on the scissors. <laughs> Man, that actually be really funny. That's a, I don't know what it is. I don't know either, if that's... But... Anyway, um, ske sketch ideas aside. Yeah, but the worm does uh, escape, and it corners everybody. Fred then plays chicken with the worm. He's in the mystery machine. The worm has the gang cornered. Fred, it kind of perks up like he's got a good idea and he runs away from the gang towards the mystery machine the gang like Daphne's like Fred what are you doing because he's just abandoning them at that stage and running for the vehicle on his own but he does jump into it and peels out distracting the worm and then he does have a head-to-head -head kind of like he's charging at the worm and the worm is charging at him they're, they're playing chicken it's like who's going to get out of the way first or are they just going to collide uh, in, in the middle I actually thought it was like two samurai running at each other, and there would be that moment where they pause after they've passed, and one of them slides in half. But yet, Fred has his one-on-one -on -one battle, on the he's, he's driving head-on, and he takes a rock ramp up to get some air. And it's pretty incredible, because the Minister Machine, um, it's it's slowly rotating in midair, which I guess would yeah. happen normally to a vehicle yeah. that has gotten mad air. Mad and air that was slightly askew, because it's spinning in a corkscrew fashion. But it is this crazy, very cinematic scene where Fred catches some air and he's flying in the air, corkscrew style, at the worm. And uh, as they pass each other, the mystery machine slashes open the throat of the worm. Yeah, right where the worm's throat would be. As we, we don't know what part of the mystery machine is sharp or if Fred was leaning out of the window with a samurai sword, but it worked. The worm, uh, like, bursts apart into two halves. And obviously, when you cut a worm in half, you now have two worms. No, that doesn't happen. They have sort of defeated the worm. Yeah, on the inside, they see that it's, uh... Well, I guess, first of all, they worry about Fred. Yeah, because they go to the mystery machine, and it's empty. Fred's not in there. Uh, and it turns out that Fred's, uh... It was the ejector seat. It wasn't the big boy, small boy, etc. None of the boyish additions helped. Mm uh, it was the ejector seat that saved his life. It was the ejector seat. So Fred floats back down to the earth off the ejector seat, and, uh, we go to the back half of the worm where we see something rustling around. The villain. Uh, the villain... Here's... Okay. I guess we should... We know it's not Burr Batson. Because Burr Batson was sabotaged by the worm. We saw 
him getting sabotaged. We know it's not Lupe because she was sabotaged a bunch of times by the worm. In like the in the in the cold open. Yeah. We know she was attacked. And we know it's not um, Torres, Roberto Torres, because he was likewise attacked by the worm. And chased by the worm uh, in Wormtopia. Obviously, it has to be the bean seller, because she pretended to die when she got into the worm and then destroyed the gas station because she hated her job. It's not the bean seller. <laughs> and as one additional thing, it also can't be War L, because I believe War L and the worm were in the same place at the same time. You're right. Uh, you would think it might be the Wormians because they do, I mean, they worship the worm, but it's not the Wormians either, and that only leaves one candidate. The the newscaster at the beginning. The one who says, Nuevo Mexico. Not the newscaster, who is, is also a named character, but uh, it's not him. It's Gibby Norton, uh, Velma's old wannabe flame from science camp. It turns out that similar to the blue shell in Mario... The worm only ever chased the one who was in first place. And uh, Gibby also notes that he was only looking to keep them from winning, not for, not to hurt anyone who wasn't selling beans. So that's why he only disabled vehicles <laughs> and killed a gas station attendant. <laughs> He's a reasonable man. Seriously, uh, and, and he only wanted to do this to impress Velma. The amazing thing to me is that when he says that, I, I just wanted to win this race to impress you, not to hurt anyone. Velma says, really? You did it for me? And he's, he, he's then carted off by the cops, and he says, and I would have gotten away with it if not for you meddling off-the-road racers. Uh, the amazing thing to me is that Velma doesn't rebuff him at all. She seems kind of flattered. It's probably the nicest thing that anyone's done for her, which is horrible. Oh, uh, that's, that's like, sad. Kind <laughs> of a huge downer. Oh, that's crazy, especially because she's the most attractive character in the show. Sure, I guess. Unless you're into dudes, in which case it's definitely Fred. Uh, Scooby, it, uh, it then turns out that, look, we, we cannot ride our vehicles to the finish line because Burt Batson's mo monster truck is blocking the Diablo Gulch. It's in the way. Yeah, and in fact, pretty much everybody else's vehicle is trashed. Which is not to say that the race cannot still be won. Uh, you can just cross, all you have to do is cross the finish line. Walk across the finish line, cool running style. So everyone puts their vehicles on their shoulders. No, they don't do that, but they do all sprint for the finish line. They all scrap and scramble. There's a big, there's a big tussle right, like like a foot away from the finish line. They're all they're all fighting. They're in a dog pile. Ah, you got the pun before okay. I could. Yeah, they're in a dog pile. Uh, and it's Scooby who extends an arm and tiptoes his paw fingers uh, across the finish line, thereby winning the race. I I had he tip paws his finger toes. Believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> right across the finish line and he wins and we find out what the what the victory entails then it's a uh it's a, a first place trophy that's it he he then says um you know how scooby-doo will end an episode by saying scooby-doo yeah except apparently that's not quite enough for him this time around and this, i i wanted to say it was racist but i could not pinpoint what specifically was racist <laughs> about it i yeah. thought it, it was um what is it uh, those bands mariachi bands oh like he's trying to imitate a mariachi band well what, what is it he actually says at the end he said oh, okay I I wrote Scooby Doobie and then I smashed the keyboard a bunch of times and then do <laughs> so I can't I, I did not write a very close like phonetic uh, approximation of, of what actually was said yeah I was like Scooby Ruby Doo Really weird, he just like slaps his jowls around a little bit for the middle segment. 
I do think was some kind of absurd shout out to uh, to the Mexican audience. This this show was it it really celebrated uh, its location and New Mexico. It, there were a lot of adobes all around, adobe houses around. There were people of color all throughout, and a lot of Spanish language. It was pretty great. That part was not a very great uh, tribute, if that's what it was. Yeah, no, that was that was poorly done. I think that's the whole episode. That's uh, that episode had a lot of action. It had a lot of fun gags. Uh, the mystery was not the best, but we were given some great clues. For one thing, the uh, obsidian-looking shard that was jammed in the mystery machine's wheel early on looked very similar to one of the lunar panels on Gibby's car. Also, also uh, what mm-hmm. we thought to be blood leaking out of the uh, out of the worm's hide turned out to be the same sort of radiator fluid that was leaking out of uh, Gibby's vehicle when he was yeah. talking about his engine problems. I think radiator fluid is kind of green. We didn't mention that even though it was very green. Didn't want to give away the ending before we got there. By process of elimination, you were able to figure it out. And I do think that that is something that is important about mysteries. I think you should sort of be able to figure mysteries out. If you get to the end and there was no way of figuring out who it is, then it's not its not a real mystery. It's an unknown. A mystery has to be solvable to be a mystery, at least in a story, by, by my standards. For instance, the worst mystery I think we've encountered so far, Redbeard the Pirate, had no unmasking. He was not anyone. Uh, there's nothing to figure out. He was just some, some dude who wanted oil. Like, there was only one culprit right or a suspect rather and it was the guy who turned out to be a secret agent yeah the only answered question was why are they doing this and it's for oil and that was pretty obvious pretty quick uh yeah and the secret agent was the unknown anyways that's i, I thought it was a very good episode i just really enjoyed it the, the whole thing of them being in a race and jumping into the race right from the start made it feel like i had a lot of action and a lot of momentum and a clear destination it, yeah it was a really unique conceit for an episode where it's just like hey we, we didn't come out here to solve a mystery. Not only that, we're not just hanging out. We are participating in something. Yeah, and normally you'd think they'd enter this episode, but because somebody's car is junked and trashed by the worm, and they have to compete for that person. Uh, it's like, that's okay, we'll compete for you and solve the mystery so that you can win the prize money and uh, give your kid those hospital treatments. Like, oh, whatever, like that. Here they're just racing, and it makes it simple. How do you feel about... I, and I, I, like, I like that we bring this up every episode. How do you feel about the absence of a Scooby-Doop? Uh, I think it's okay, partly because there's nothing human about the worm. It's impossible to imagine a Scooby-Doop happening with the worm. What would that be? What I think it would be, when Scooby does, and, and I, I didn't, I actually wrote, uh, paw puppets, because they're not hand puppets, they're like paw puppets. Uh, when he does that oh, and he yeah. does the bird, maybe the worm would have been like, ah, you know what I mean? Because it's like, it, it wouldn't be a hard Scooby-Doop, because it's not like, humorous but it would be yeah it would be similar i guess that i think that would be a scooby-doo because it um it makes the you know the worm is buying into something it shouldn't be yeah like i feel like the bird or if scooby used his tail to make a sexy lady <laughs> or something like that i was that. more thinking <laughs> about like scooby and shaggy sort of like bury their uh, themselves up to their ankles in the dirt and then like move their bodies like wacky inflatable tube men uh, <laughs> and then the worm is like oh my babies as Scooby and Shaggy are sweating bullets and one of them whispers to the other, Fear is the mind killer. Yeah, for sure, man. I will let it pass over me. The fear will be gone and I will remain. I was gonna make a reference. I'm really I'm really glad that you threw that out there, because I was the whole episode I was like, where can I toss this in? 
Oh man, I, I knew if we only referred to Dune at the beginning, I would feel deeply ashamed. So I'm glad we got one more thing in there. Um, also, fun fact, uh, the gang's track outfits recycled their bodily fluids. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> Just like the, uh, uh, shoot. What are they called? Not the Freemen. The guys who live in on, Dune? uh, yeah, the guys who live on Dune. Oh, I don't remember the, the tribal people. I've only read parts of... I, I'm not. I'm going to cut this because I want people to think I've read more than I have, but I've only read parts of the first one, and then I... I should reread it. I, I really liked it. Um, it was very dense, but it, it was one of those really good epic political um, sci-fi fantasy novels early on. Like, I feel like Game of Thrones yeah. and stuff borrows a lot from that. House of is Harkonnen, Spice... That's okay. Another another alternate Scooby Doo. If you want to cut all of that, would be like maybe the worm comes up on them and they've set up like a bait shop. Oh yeah, and so he's like really scared, right? By... And they have like fisherman caps, and they're just like, oh, look at look at your Scoob. If this ain't the biggest starring worm you ever did see, <laughs> we're gonna catch a big fish. And, and then the worm's like, yeah, the worm's like scared and like runs away. <laughs> yeah. I, that would have been a great Scooby Doo as well. I, I do think it's sad they didn't do something like that because it would have been easy and it would have emphasized the worminess of the worm. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But even with that said, I really like this episode. I really liked that we had this great variety, this colorful rogues gallery of characters. It was nice. Even even when it's obvious who it is, it is still nice to have a lot of these potential suspects. Yeah, and they're, they're they just inve- injected a lot of life into them. Like Roberto Torres looks like a very lived-in character. He's a very detailed, got a lot of detailed design. Burr Batson, even as dislikable as he is, he, he has some good interactions. And, and Lupe, I think, is a strong character, even though she doesn't get a ton of time. And I think that it is worth mentioning that, like, these characters do seem uh, very... Lived in. ...fleshed out, to the point where two of them, just looking on the, on the wiki, two of them do appear in subsequent episodes after this. I know Gibby does. Who else does? Uh, it's Burr Batson. Oh, really? Huh. <laughs> That's, that's funny. It's funny for me because my two favorites were Roberto and Lupe. I thought they were great. Yeah. Well, you know, the they, the, the white characters continued on. The uh, the Mexican characters stayed in, stayed in Mexico. Yeah, I think we might see maybe Roberto or Lupe serving beans in a later episode or something like that. <laughs> that's probably going to be the limit of it. So, R.I.P. Bean Lady. Yeah, R.I.P. Bean Lady indeed. I, it's Gibby shocking should... that Gibby shows up again given that he committed murder. Yeah, and at the very least, he committed a crime and shouldn't show up again at all, but I guess he does. Like, Burr Batson showing up again later makes sense because he was just a jerk. Although, a lot of he, what he did was very aggravated and was assault. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, an ex- I'm excited for next week's episode. Ap- Apocalypse, right? Yeah, we are going to be covering, for the first time ever, a non-screen media Scooby-Doo installment yeah if you want to catch up on what we're going to be covering next week you're going to have to read rather than watch folks pick up a copy it's issue number one of scooby-doo apocalypse yeah uh by dc very interesting read and i'm very excited to talk to you about it evan but for this week that was uh the fast and the wormiest uh we are worms we are we are worms that's a uh, behind the paywall reference if you donate to us on patreon you'll know what we're referencing there I almost don't want to keep it in because I think that's the funniest thing about people donating to us. Is that they like, get that I feel like it's such a shock to the system. <laughs> to hear us diving into that, I, I really like that. That's a reference to us referencing Hercules. Pretty tight. So, in retrospect, listening back on this episode, I realized that I didn't make a lot of references that I could have, and I feel kind of shamed about it. So if you could just 
if you could just give me just give you like do you want to just record some sound bites here some uh some wild audio splices and then i can throw them in earlier on like in between one of my long monologues like this one just throw in you saying a couple of racing related terms uh not racing related but but yeah terms terms for sure so can i i mean it's not gonna take long okay yeah no that's all that's all right here i'll just keep an eye on the levels and uh i'll let you know if you're peeking go for it okay so um uh because you said Dune, so I'm just going to throw out... Um, oh, yeah. Lay on... <laughs> Paul Atreides. Arrakis. Melange. Shai Hulud. Uh, and then I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and I'm just going to say Tremors. And then also uh, uh, Nidus Worm. And, and that's it. And I just... These are all things I could have said or brought up during the course of the podcast. Now that I've said them in the outro... I have retained my my nerd credibility. Oh, I'm sorry, were you saying something? I was posting on Reddit to see if anyone wants to help host a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, yeah, uh, you're on you're on our incels. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to stray too far from the formula that I've established. Whoa! <laughs> The funniest thing about that, those sound bites you gave, is that you almost basically did that at the end of this episode. You did rattle off like five different, not not unimpressive, uh, Dune references, but you needed the tremors in I there. Need, I needed to do it again, but more. I I was, you know what? It's funny. I was right. It was Freeman. You're right. It is Freeman. Now that you mention it. Uh, I anyway. Um. Thank you guys for joining us for that very special episode of Scooby Dudes. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. You listening to it makes it so that we want to keep doing this podcast. But there are certain people that make it even more possible for us to keep doing this podcast. Yeah, there are, uh, there are a few people out there, and they have decided to uh, give us their hard-earned or hard-received. Uh, you know what? <laughs> hard-received. <laughs> or ill-gotten <laughs> gains. Is, thank you. I like that much better than hard-received. Um, basically, they have currency, and they've donated it to us. Um, to aid in the production of this podcast, and we're immensely grateful to them. We'd love your donations, just as we really appreciate the support that we get from the people that we're about to shout out. Yeah. Each and every week, we say their names on uh, the air. So I say them on my mouth. That's what their names, they get, like, they start in my lungs. They start in my brain. I'm like, here's a name I want to say. And then it sends a little signal down to my lung, like, hey, punch this stuff out. And it gets all up to my tongue and my mouth. My tongue and my mouth's like, oh, yeah, this is good stuff. I like this name. I want to hang on to it for a minute. But those names, those names are so, so hot. Their molecules are just bouncing around so fast, my mouth can't contain them. Then it's got to, it crawls out. The first, like, the hand of the name, like, claws at the side of my mouth, and it pulls itself out like it's emerging from a, from a hole or like Jim Carrey emerging from a rhino. And, and that's what we're about to do for you people. Oh no, uh, I'm not recording. We need to start over. Hang on, I see another post on r slash incel for a co-host. <laughs> it says, uh, malnourished, balding, white boy needed. Hang on, I'm gonna, give me a second, Evan, I'm gonna respond to this guy. It's on the front page of Reddit. It has 10,000, uh, 10,000 upvotes. I'm gonna respond to this. I think I've got, I got a shot at this. Uh, oh, oh, hang on, Patreon, that's what we're doing. <laughs> Have we said the names yet? No, we haven't said the names. We don't have any new donors this week, but we do want to shout out all of our existing donors, everyone that's donated to us in the past. So thank you for yet again another week of donation. Oh, and hey, Evan, why should these people donate to us, aside from the goodness of their hearts? Uh, at least once a week. I throw them a little bit of bonus content, sometimes twice a week, every now and then three times a week. And yeah. uh, it's good stuff. 
Yeah, um, get that bone tent, bro. Bonus content, that bone tent. Okay, I need our listeners to realize that between hard received and bone tent, none of these are uh, intentional. <laughs> like we messed up, and bone tent was intentional. That one I conceived, and I thought that sounds bad. Let me say that. We're just gonna. Say, oh man. We're gonna say these names. Um. Yeah, you get bonus content. I we'll throw out a few audio clips that were cut that are still quite funny, but couldn't make it in. Uh, we'll we'll throw some art your way. Um, all that fun stuff, all that jazz. We do a lot of great stuff with Patreon. So join these esteemed supporters that we are about to say the names of right now. Beyond that, where else can you connect with your favorite Scooby dudes? Yeah, well, we would love it if you uh, could give us a like on Facebook, just facebook.com slash Scooby dudes. I also share a lot of stuff on there. Yeah, no, it's true, for real. Join the meme team. Um, beyond Facebook, you can always follow us on Twitter. Uh, Twitter.com slash the Scooby Dudes. Twitter is a big place, so make sure you're following the Scooby Dudes to get all of our sweet updates and to socialize with us. And then uh, please head over to our website, which we think, look, if you enjoy this podcast, if you really like what we're doing, mm. if you think we're funny, uh, we hope you do, head on over to the website ScoobyDudes.com where you can find us being funnier funny also in fact if you don't like this podcast definitely head over to our website because it's kind of a different format i think scoobydudes.com is the best place to connect with scooby dudes and uh, there you'll see more contact options for us for instance email send us an email at scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com um, as someone who has recently emailed us suggesting our couple name should be luvan will attest we do respond to our emails it, it takes a few days. It takes a few days, uh, yeah. But we do respond to every single email. Really do. Without fail. B- because they're only emails from one guy. <laughs> He's great. I like him. Yeah, thanks. I, I really appreciate his uh, correspondence. Yeah, we really appreciate him. Even though I'm going to bleep out your name because you haven't donated to us on Patreon yet. We really appreciate you emailing us. That's super nice, dude. You said his name so many times as if you wanted it to be bleeped out mm-hmm. as many times as possible. Son of a I'm going to take this and I'm going to shove it up your if you don't. <laughs> this is all you. Like, you do all of the post-production. I'm, I'm putting so much work on myself. So, uh, it would really help our podcasting efforts if, if you would find us on iTunes, rate us five stars. I don't care what you write in that review. You could put a recipe to your grandma's hot dish, but please just rate us five stars on iTunes. <laughs> Hot dish is a Minnesota term, I've learned this, for casserole or the like. So that's not just me being filthy. So rate us five stars, share us a picture of your grandma's hot dish on iTunes. Can we use this outro? Can we release this to the public? I think so. Do you think, are you worried that the outro is too short? We can, we can stretch it out, dude. You're right, we could, we could get this to the 10 minutes that our last episode was at. Thank you again for listening. I love each and every one of you listeners. I love each and every one of my co-hosts. And for what it's worth, I've deleted my post on r slash incel looking for an extra co-host. The other post is still up, though. I haven't even gotten a response to my inquiry on it. <laughs> I'm going to send again. I think that's going to... It's getting a lot of downvotes. Oh, it's it's hidden from... Uh, I guess it's hidden from... It's, it's way down at the bottom. You mean my comment is? Yeah, that must be why yeah. no one saw it. It just received so many downvotes. The mods both deleted it and doxed me. They posted my personal info on here. 
can you imagine well, holy if f- our <laughs> incels was an organization as onto 4chan or, or uh, anonymous where they uh they could actually like if they found out that we kept dragging them <laughs> uh, and they just like destroyed us as a podcast and as two individuals use the power of unintended male celibacy to destroy us yeah that's a good See, way the thing is it. i think if people doxed us, that's publicity. Actually, you're right. Can you imagine it showing up on like the Daily Dot or something like our incels doxes Scooby Doo podcast? Yeah, that's like actually the best kind of publicity. Our incels, please dox us. Find us on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, visit our website and dox us, Scooby Dudes. See, I really hope. Like I, I actually don't want to get doxxed. But you hope people do get like into it. Like I hope that people dox you. People... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I don't like the hot dish bit at all. Take a picture of your grandma's hot dish. <laughs>